Hey guys, welcome to Kensington. My name is Jen, and we are so glad that you're joining us live. Uh, for those of you who are already following us on social media, thank you so much for just sharing that content and for following us there. And if you're not already, we'd love to invite you to follow us on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter accounts. We have an incredible service planned today with a fantastic opener that you are not going to want to miss. On top of that, we are going to have the opportunity to hear from uh, one of our global partners, and we're just so excited for the opportunity to learn from them. There will also be a message from Patrick, and we are going to be kicking off here momentarily, and we hope that you enjoy it.
them one more time. Anybody else want to learn drums after that, or is that just me? (laughs) Well, welcome so much to Kensington, you guys. My name is Jen, and I'm on staff here. And whether this is your first time here or your 100th time here, I just want to say welcome. We are so glad that you were able to make it this morning. And um, here at Kensington, we really believe in just having a safe space where you can come, where you can ask questions and explore your faith, no matter where you are in that journey. And also today, you may have noticed walking in, there's a PG-10 rating on this day. We are going to have the opportunity to hear from one of our global partners and some of the content, um, depending on where your child is at, you may or may not want them to um, hear some of that. And if you choose not to, we want to give you the opportunity to take your kids back to our incredible K-Kids environment with programming that's made just for them. And also, too, if you weren't here last week and you didn't receive one of these, um, it's our year-end Christmas gift booklet. Patrick is going to be talking about this a little bit later, but we'd love to invite you to grab one. It uh, covers several of the amazing programs that we are able to offer through the generous giving of others. So anybody else a little scared by how quickly Christmas is coming? (laughs) Anybody else not do their Christmas shopping yet? Just me? (laughs) Well, to give you a little bit of a sneak peek at what our Christmas services are going to look like, we wanted to show you this. He said it's in the town of David. It shouldn't be much further. We need to keep following the star. It appears to have stopped over in that direction. Come this way. It'll be very quiet. Mary's very tired. You're hungry. The chili's been cooking all day. Did you bring the spices? I bring red pepper flakes, cayenne pepper, and cumin. We come bearing the gift of unleavened cornbread. Mm. So, so, so did you put beans in it this time? I did. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. Well. Oh, well. <laughs> we'll send you out. Miles. You can, you can leave. Anybody have some? Plot twist. <laughs> So if you're wondering what all that was about, our theme this Christmas is just another day in December, and we're going to be taking a look at what our life and what our world would be like if Jesus had never been born. And we would love to invite you to be a part of our Christmas experience. We have five services available. We have two on Saturday, uh, September 23rd at 5 p.m. and 7 p.m. And then we have two more on Christmas Eve at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Plus, we have a special render service at 11 p.m. that will be here at Kensington. And um, there are a couple things that we would love to invite you to do with that. Number one is we would love to invite you to come, and we would love to invite you to bring somebody with you. This is that time of year where everyone's kind of looking for a place to um, get a little bit more into the Christmas spirit, and some people are looking for a church experience um, on these days. So please invite people. And then uh, secondly, we would love to invite you to uh, go on our website and get free Christmas tickets. These Christmas tickets, it's like, um, it's like whose line is it anyway? They literally mean nothing except for us. So when you go online, what it does is it helps us to better prepare for you and your family. And once again, they're completely free. You can find them at kensingtonchurch.org backslash Christmas. 
And then the third thing that we would love to invite you to do is, if you've been coming for several weeks, we would love to invite you to come one and then serve one. This time of year uh, requires so many hands on deck to provide such an incredible experience for those who are coming. So once again, we would love to invite you to come one and then serve one. So we're going to get started here in just a moment. Uh, Ryan and the band, they're going to do some more music for us. So before we do that, I would love to invite you to stand up. I would love to invite you to crunch in the middle of your sections for those who are still coming in. And I'd love you to ask your neighbor, what is your favorite Christmas carol? Go ahead. about you, but one of my favorite Christmas carols is a song called Joy to the World, and uh, this is Annie, this is Ben to my right, Uh, we're going to lead you guys in that song today, hope you guys dig it. Joy to the world, the Lord is come, let earth receive her King, let of his love and wonders world. 
on kind of a journey. The first song we led you in is just declaring what God has done. The last song we just sang declares what God is and his character. This next song I want to lead you in is talking about what we believe God to do in this coming year. So wherever you're at in your journey, I just encourage you, just let this song impact you in whatever way, wherever you're at. Let's sing it together. The earth will shake, tremble before him, chains will break, and heaven and earth sing. much for singing with us. You can go ahead and have a seat. Uh, and if this is your first time, uh, we just want to say welcome. And when you hear uh, several songs like that, you know, what you're getting a picture of and what you're getting a glimpse of here is what we believe about God. That no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, no matter what your background is, that there is a God who is the light of the world that is reaching out to you and wants a relationship with you. And over the course of these next few minutes that we have together, you're going to get a glimpse, again, of what we believe about that through music, but you're also going to get a glimpse of about that, uh, of what we believe about that throughout the whole world. Like what we believe about God doing throughout the entire world and how God is moving, not just here in Traverse City, not just in Michigan, not just in the United States, but how the work uh, of Jesus is actually happening 
all over the world to bring hope uh, to the brokenhearted, uh, to heal brokenness, and how he's using people just like you uh, to do that. Uh, and so for these next few minutes, uh, we have a video that we wanted to show you, and it's a little bit about what's going on uh, in Sudan. And what you're going to do, what you're going to be able to do is get a glimpse of what God is doing through people just like you on the other side of the world, again, to bring hope uh, to the brokenness over there. So let's watch this video together. Has there ever been a time in history where we are more immediately inundated with news that tends to bring us to despair or to give up hope. Do you realize that when you invest in a year-end Christmas gift to Kensington, that the opposite is true? That you're actually seeing hope and joy and love and peace come to the world? We're seeing that in so many countries in the world, explosive church planting movements, and probably none is more amazing or more miraculous than what is happening in the new country of South Sudan. Ruben Mariakal, our partner, and his friends in South Sudan are putting their life on the line each day. They literally don't know from day to day if they're going to live or die. But in the midst of this, overwhelming peace is coming to the world. And so today, as you watch this amazing story of this unlikely hero, a man named Nicodemus, Realize that you and I get to be a part of something that is so unlikely and so amazing. When you give, we get to be a part of what Jesus Christ is doing in the world. country, peace is rare. People are so used to fighting that many have given up hope that things can change. But God says, blessed are the peacemakers. And sometimes those that bring peace are the ones that no one expects. South Sudan, the newest country in the world, and it's located in East Central Africa. And this whole region has been in conflict and ravaged by war in the past 60 years. And actually, it's not getting better. It's getting a whole lot worse. In fact, the compound that we're staying in just a few weeks ago had a bunch of rebels that had come through with guns and threatening violence, and everyone there just did not know what was going to happen. Fueled by racism, political strife, religious persecution, the price of the conflict has been very high. There's actual active landmines just a few feet away from where children are playing. Everyone here lives in a state of uncertainty, not knowing what tomorrow will hold. They all live in fear and long for peace.
when you see a man having uh, marks on the head or the shoulder, that one uh, means the number of the people that a person has killed during the war. And then when you see the women, you see some women are having marks. That one also shows the husband of the woman has killed many men. They share that glory in the, in, in the name of husband. So she acts like the husband is an hero. My testimony is about my sister's son. The child grew at my home for more than 10 years. When he was making the 12 years, the child was taken back to the village. He was transferred to a cattle camp. When he reached the cattle camp, they went to the field where the cows are grazing. Then another tribe that used to attack the Toposa tribe called Boya came and raided the cows. And then on the process of raiding, the child was caught by a group of more than 10 men. They used a knife. Then they slaughtered the boy. The people took me there using a motorbike to the place where the shell was killed. So I went and I saw the body of the shell lying on the ground. One hand was cut, then the other hand also was cut. The leg was cut, the head is far away from the body. I was not happy. I became very hungry. So I buried the boy, and then I came back to the village. So I wanted to take one gun to follow the men where they have gone. My aim was to go and clear them all. As you see this mark on my face, these three men have killed three people and I was used to it. What was in my body, in my heart, was only to have a revenge. I was only aiming for a revenge. Then one gun which was left in the village was hidden somewhere because they knew that I loved the boy and my aim was if I am to get a gun, I was going to clear even 50 men in that place. So I grew very annoyed in which I was even almost to hang myself when the people went and uh, hide the gun. The only way was to go and hang myself, but the people went and advised me. Tormented by the death of his nephew and unable to find his gun, Nicodemus reached a level of despair that led him into considering taking his own life. It was while searching for a weapon in a nearby village that he ran into Reuben Mariacal, who would eventually become his mentor and spiritual advisor. The life that Nicodemus had before getting Christ, is, his aim was to be the, the hero of the village. And being a hero is to raid as many tribes, uh, the surrounding tribes as possible, is to kill as many people as possible. But once he encountered Christ, there was a radical change in his heart. Other people went and advised me until they brought me back to Kapweta here. 
whereby I met with Pastor Ruben and then with other believers, they had to advise me and say, that is not the way. Try to have peace in your heart. So I went and I stayed for more than 20 days until I forgive those people. Christ replaced this problem in me. I had to have peace again. As I am now, I'm going always to the church. I am also advising others who have the same grievances like the way I used to have. So I see Nicodemus, and he no longer views the other tribes as enemies. He views them as objects of the grace of Christ, and they're candidates of heaven. And that's why he has now the desire to reach out to the other villages as his friends. Since his encounter with Jesus, Nicodemus has been radically transformed. Under Reuben's guidance, he now plants churches in the very fields where the Taposa, Dinga, and other neighboring tribes have violently clashed for centuries. Armed with nothing more than the gospel and a motorcycle, he brings peace to a region that many believed impossible to reach. So we have two communities in our location here. So we have uh, the Dedinga community and then the Topaza community. These two communities are very hostile to each other. So when we planted the church here, the Topaza and the Dedinga were able to meet together. So what they did, they helped to reconcile those who accepted Christ. They were able to meet together and then they worshiped together. They became one. But in other areas whereby the church is not planted, the war still continues. Many blood is being shed every time. But we saw really a church can bring peace in a community. The mission of our ministry is letting the light occupy the land. And we see darkness manifesting itself in different forms. The greatest is spiritual darkness. Uh, there is intellectual darkness, there is darkness of hatred and uh, violence, there is socio-economic darkness. And we see as we are in this land, our ministry is to become hands and feet of Jesus and shine the light and let the light occupy the land. I see Nicodemus maybe finding his fellow warriors in the other village as friends, even his friends who are raiders, they were 10 in number his gang of ten men and six of them he has evangelized and they have come to Christ. When all these guys who are warriors come, they, they, they are not warriors for Christ. They are not taking the spears but they, and guns, they are taking the gospel to the, to the next tribes. I see this hope and I can see changes will be here in years to come. Jesus means everything to me. In the first place, I was lost. Uh, I was a sinner. I was a killer. I was robbing. I used to do many things which are not right. But when Christ came into my heart, I have now hope of being with the Lord.
I think when Christ is taken out of the equation, there's no hope in this country. I mean, governments can come with policies, but that cannot transform the hearts of people. It takes only the power of Christ to transform the hearts of people. If it's just empty philanthropy, helping people and doing that, there could never be hope. But when we are preaching Christ, who is the Prince of Peace, I'm sure ultimately the Prince of Peace will be able to bring peace to this country. So there is hope. One thing that I, uh, I love so much about our church uh, and the people that attend, obviously here in Metro Detroit, Orlando, is that we're a group of people that no matter what you believe about God, no matter what you believe about Jesus, no matter what you believe about faith, is as a group of people, as the local church, we believe that we can make a difference wherever we are. And we can make a significant impact in places where it seems like there is just infinite darkness. And we can make a significant impact by stepping into brokenness that feels like it's not healable. And we can step into areas of the world that feels like it's impossible to do things. And that through ordinary people, just like you, we believe that God can do extraordinary, extraordinary things. Now, when you hear a story like that, it feels fairly distant, right? It feels like it's a little bit out there, it's a little bit far away, because we don't experience those kinds of things in northern Michigan so much, right? But the guy that you saw on the video, um, Chris, Chris is one of our lead pastors at our Clinton Township campus, he was talking about their experience over there, and when they went, the country's still in a lot of ways, you know, at odds with each other, and there's war kind of constantly happening, there's constant conflict, and if you can imagine this, the community that you saw, right, the video that was kind of highlighting the community, there was this one area, but then there was this gated sort of area that's kind of just beyond what you saw in the video. Chris said that uh, one night he's with the film crew, Mike, and a bunch of people with the team, and they start hearing gunshots right outside the gate. And, you know, they were kind of curious, like, well, you know, what is that? You know, is that, that's probably just far off. Somebody's probably hunting. And what they discovered through one of the people that was living there that was one of the locals is that there was actually one of those raids happening just down the way from where they were at the time that they were there. In fact, when Chris got back, I love this, you know, Steve Andrews, he's our founding pastor. He goes, yeah, that's probably the most dangerous trip we've ever taken. And Chris goes, I wish you'd have probably told me that, you know, before we went, you know, that'd have been great. Uh, and, uh, but it really was, I mean, what's happening over there is, is really devastating. And, uh, the beautiful part though, is that through Reuben, through some of the global partnerships that we have over there, through people that are planning churches, all over that area of the world, through Nicodemus' story, we're seeing people come to know Christ. We're seeing people come to know Christ that you would sit there and you'd think, I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but God begins to change their hearts. In fact, over the last year, now this is crazy to think about, through partnerships that we have all over the world, Kensington has been a part of planning over a thousand churches all over the world. Now just think about that for a second. Over 1,000 churches all over the world 
And that's because of people like you who give, and that's for people like you who are part of this. And so when you came in, I believe you got a book. I want to show you this real quick. If you turn to page, I believe, 24 and 25 in your book, you're going to see uh, a picture of this. I wanted to read this to you, um, really just to kind of get our minds thinking about this for just a second, and we're going to jump into the talk. But uh, what we're doing in South Sudan, right, we'd say that your generosity brings hope to people in South Sudan. And then I want to read you this part. You can read along with me. I believe it's on page 25. So through our partnership, we're able to provide medical care to dozens of villages, along uh, with food relief to the poorest of the poor, which spurs conversations about Jesus, provides opportunities for people to share the gospel. And we're able to do that because of people just like you, who are part of this, who are part of giving, who are part of yeah, volunteering, part of going on trips like this, or part of all of those things. And so I just wanted to first off say thank you so much to those of you who give. Thank you so much to those of you who are partnering with us. We've been talking about year in giving for the last uh, few weeks, and uh, we know that uh, we're able to do a lot of this because of the gifts that come in at the end of the year. Uh, and so for those of you who are give, we just wanted to say thank you so much. I challenged a lot of you last week to think about what would your year in gift be? What would it be like for you? Uh, if you're an attender here, if you call Kensington home, what would it be like for you to sacrificially give so that we can do more of these kinds of things all over the world, so that we can do these things globally, we can do these things locally. What would it take for your family to sacrificially give? And a lot of you have been thinking about that. I've had conversations throughout the week uh, with some of you, and we just wanted to say thank you so much for partnering with us in that way. So I want to go ahead and invite our ushers to move forward. Uh, we're going to receive our offering. If you're, if you're you know, first time, that sort of thing, we, you, know, you don't have to give. That's not a thing. We're not trying to get you to give. Uh, unless you want to give to something that kind of feels beyond you, you know, you can certainly do that. Um, but uh, there's a couple ways that you can do this. I want to walk you through this. You can give on the app. Uh, that's the way our family does it. You can give on our website. Uh, that's another way. Or text. All of those take about 15 to 30 seconds to do. Uh, you can also give in service as the, we're still trying to name these things, the blue bag pouches thing comes by. Uh, you can certainly do that as well. But we just wanted to say thank you so much for those of you who are partnering with us uh, to be able to do what we do here locally, but also what we do uh, all over the world. Now today, uh, with that video, it kind of sets us up to talk about a topic um, that is, I think, fascinating to talk about in the current state of our culture, right? When you think about politics, when you think about what's going on all over the world, you hear about North Korea, you hear about what's happening uh, here in the States, you even hear about what's happening in Traverse City. There's at times this feeling of unrest. And there's at times this feeling of angst that we all have. And we have this kind of, you know, is it going to be all right? And what about this? Or what about that? We all have sort of angst around different things. So what we're going to talk about today is a word that's found actually all over the Old Testament and all over the New Testament. And it's a word that every single one of us pursues at some point in our life. And that word is this. The word is peace. That at some point in your life, you hit a scenario, you hit a certain set of scenarios. For a lot of us, we find ourselves being informed to the point where we just desire to have peace at some point in our lives. We desire for the angst to kind of dissipate. We desire for, you know, there not to be tension in the areas that we feel like there are tension. We desire there to be peace in our hearts, peace in our minds, and for us to go to sleep at night not having to worry about all the things. Am I right? There's something inside of us that has all that. So I'm going to need to do this. I need to take a big deep breath. Can you take a big deep breath for a second? Get your like lungs filled with air because I'm going to need you to help me out. Or you can let it out. I'm going to need you to shout out a couple of things. And so we're not talking about you specifically, right? We're talking about everybody else. But I need you to help me kind of fill this out. What are some areas of our world that we feel angsty? That's not a word, but we're going to make it a word, right? What are some areas of our world that we feel angsty? Let me hear you shout it out. Somebody go for it. Children, amen. Anybody have toddlers? Then yes, children, right? All right, here we go. Children, what's another area? Money. Money, money, money. money. 
I won't do that again. All right, somebody else? One more time in the back, what did you say? <laughs> Everybody just stretch your hand. God, we just pray. No, I'm just kidding. All right. In-laws, that's great. In-laws, yeah. Hopefully you're not sitting next to them. Anyway, um, somebody else. What else do we feel angsty about? Politics. All right, politics is another one. Anybody angsty about their uh, fantasy football team? Anybody? No, I'm just shallow. Okay, politics. There we go. I'm going to put up fantasy football because right now I'm winning, and i got two games left. And I've never won anything about football in my life, so it's great. Somebody else? Work. Yes, work. Absolutely. Give me like two more. What else do we feel angsty about? Marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Marriage. That's great. He's sleeping on the couch tonight. That's awesome. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I feel that. Yeah, somebody else. What else? One more. Give me one more. Health. That's a great one. Health is another one. Yeah, like, am I healthy? Should I have this Big Mac? Which that was my question last night, right? So we have all sorts of angst, right? And there's angst that happens all the time. Like, it can be at work. It can be with money. I love these. Fantasy football, that's just me. Your in-laws, right? Especially Thanksgiving, Christmas, holidays. We all have angst. And there's angst that is, like, really big. There's angst that feels kind of small. But we all have some kind of angst. And what we desire is peace, right? We want, in our hearts, all of that to kind of be settled. We want the problem to dissipate. We just want to find peace. Now, again, throughout the Bible, there's all of these sorts of areas where it talks about this. And one of them is this, like, area of the Bible called Isaiah. Isaiah talks about a lot of things, and this may be a book that you've never read before. Uh, Isaiah talks about a lot of things, but one of the things that happens all throughout Isaiah, which is so interesting, is it, Isaiah points to what is to come and what is going to come in the future, which feels a little bit like, you know, like fortune telly kind of thing, but it's not really that. It's, it's this idea that one day, he's kind of writing to a group of people who were expecting salvation, expecting this political salvation, expecting not to be slaves anymore, and he's riding around with the Savior would look like, and he's ultimately pointing to Jesus, and he's writing about what the Savior would look like, and here's what the writer says uh, in Isaiah chapter 9. Here's what it says. It says, for, uh, for to us a child is born. So he's talking about when Jesus would be born. For to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Now, I love this, right? When you hear the Christmas story, you typically don't hear a lot about this, right? To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, Now, think about this imagery for just a second. Isaiah is pointing to Jesus, the coming Savior of the world. And what he leads with is he's going to be a child that is born, and then on his shoulders is going to be the weight of the government and the politics and what is oppressive to you and slavery. That ultimately all of the things that feel weighty to you, and he's talking to this group, all the things that feel weighty to you, he's going to put that on his shoulders and he is going to carry it on our behalf, goes on. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then read this with me. What does it say? Prince of what? Prince of Peace. Now we read that and we think about peace in the terms that we typically think about peace. This dissipation of the tension and the conflict and the angst. But the people reading this would not have thought about it necessarily in those terms. And when Isaiah was writing this, the people that he's writing to aren't necessarily just thinking about the dissipation of the problem or the angst around these types of things. The people that are reading what Isaiah writes are a group of people who look at peace in a completely different lens. Not the dissipation of tension, 
It's something that is bigger. In fact, we could say it this way. The peace is not the absence of conflict, but rather the presence of God's goodness. Now, that feels weird, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus. You're like, hey, that's great, but I want the problem solved, right? And real quick, how many of you are like type A personalities? You're like me. Anybody like type A and, you, you know, you had a list before you got up this morning? Yeah, that's great. All right, well, let's pray for you too. I'm kidding. All right, so we want the problem solved, you got a work issue, you want it solved. You got a money issue, you want it solved with more money, right? You, you want it solved. But the writer who is writing with, you know, and I say, is talking about Prince of Peace not being a Savior who comes and dissipates all of the pain. Not a Savior who comes and dissipates all of the conflict. But peace being founded and rooted in a Savior who comes and brings the goodness and the fullness and the completeness of God to whatever problem is in front of us. Now fast forward thousands of years and then Jesus is talking to a group of people before he's going to be killed. And these are the group of people that are close to him and have been walking this road with him. And Jesus knows what is to come. Jesus knows that death and torture is to come. And he knows that the people that are around him will one day probably not be standing around him going, They're probably not going to do that. That when pain comes and problems come, they're going to, in fact, run and scatter. And so he primes the pump to let them know that trouble is coming. And then we find this word peace show up again. Here's what Jesus says. He's talking to this group of disciples or closest followers. He says, very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will feel pain when other people feel joy when I You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. Now, when you read this and you actually read what the text is saying, that doesn't feel like it makes any sense, right? And if peace is the dissipation of issues and problems and conflict, this, in fact, makes zero sense. But when Jesus is referred to as the Prince of Peace, when he comes to bring this fullness and completeness of God, he's not just talking about that dissipation. He goes on and says this. He says, the time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered. When peace will feel like it's no more for you. When you will dissipate. When I am at my darkest hour, you will run. When, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. And when you read this, you get, oh, no, 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 okay. He begins to paint a picture of what peace actually comes from. And again, it's not the dissipation of all the problems. Yet I'm not alone for my father is with me. That is this shalom or this peace that he's referring to. And then he goes on and he says this. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then he gives the most inspirational message to a group of people who are going to watch him die. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. You're like, sign me up for that, you know. In this world, you will have pain, you will have trouble. You will not have what other people view as peace. But take heart or be encouraged. And then he gives the foundation for all of Christianity in one phrase. He gives the foundation 
of what we sang about earlier and what a beautiful name. He gives a foundation of what will, will change the world for thousands of years and are why we meet in this building and they also meet outside in South Sudan and why Nicodemus' story is what it is. He gives one phrase that lays the foundation. He says, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm going to say this. This is the part that you should wrestle with more than anything else. Right? It's not whether you know, Jesus exists or not. You know, there's that. It's not whether you know, you know, Jesus rise from the grave. I think you should wrestle with that. The question for you really is, do you believe that Jesus came and he lived the life that he said he lived and he is who he said that he was and is, but that he had the power to fully overcome the darkness that was in the world. That I have overcome all sin. I have overcome all the pain. I have overcome all of that on your behalf. Peace is not found in a genie who takes away your problems. Peace is found in a loving father, the God of the universe, who enters into the brokenness and is with you in it. Right, we could say it this way. The peace demands us to refocus from the problem to a person. And that person is Jesus. That in the darkest moments, in the most difficult moments, in the pain that we feel, in the angst that we feel around all of these kinds of things, in a world where it feels like upheaval all around, in a world where you're worried about North Korea and the economy and presidents, and you're worried about Senate, and you're worried about hashtag me too, and you're worried about all of those kinds of things in our world. And you're worried about what's happening in your work and your family and your marriage. When you're worried about all of those things, at the end of the day, it's not that God should come to remove the problems. In fact, as you read through the New Testament, oftentimes he doesn't. He uses people within the problems and then promises to be with them every step of the journey to empower them to bring about the change that he's called them. Now, most of you know I'm a relatively new dad, and by relatively, I mean like two years in, right? So it's newer for me. And he hasn't really been sick yet, so we haven't had like the big sick moment, you know, until about, uh, what was it, about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. Then he got cough, and he had a fever, and he was like throwing up. And I'm, when it comes to me, I don't know how many of you like this. When it comes to me, I never go to the doctor. I should go to the doctor more. You know, my limb could be hanging off. I'm like, you know what, I'll sleep on it. I'm fine. You know, like that's me. But if my wife gets sick, like she has a cough, I'm like, we're going to the ER now. You know, like, let's go right now. And then my son gets sick, and it's kind of the same thing. Uh, so uh, he was sick. He had a fever. And so it was, I don't know, it was like 7 or 8 o'clock at night. So we decided to go to urgent care rather than the ER because that felt like the wiser decision, even though I was, you know, let's go to the ER. We show up to urgent care, and we're there for like two hours. And we're sitting there, and when we came in, his heart was racing way, way, way too fast, like super fast. You know, and you get that look in a doctor's eyes. You ever seen this where the doctor is like, he looks a little concerned. And you're like, that's not what I'm looking for, you know, in that moment. And the nurses come in and they do all the tests. And then they start saying, like, you know what? I don't know that we, the instrument read it right. They said that like three times. I'm like, you've said that three times, right? Should we just get a new one? Like, let's just get a new instrument. Let's just try a new one. You know, maybe we just do that, you know. And they couldn't get his heart rate to come down. The fever started to come down, but they couldn't get the heart rate to come down. And so the, the last thing you ever want to hear, like, the urgent care is like, hey, we think you should go to the ER. Here's a paper. 
you go. Now, there's something inside of me that, like, has Mr. Miyagi angst and then, you know, like, fear angst and then, you know, like, four-year-old girl screaming in the shower angst. Like, that's just, this is me all at once wrapped up into one moment. So we get in. My wife is super calm because she's a better human than I am. And it's like this picture. Uh, I think it was at the ER. This is Emily and Henry, right? So he says, like, after all the tests. And so I'm sitting there, and I'm taking this moment for several hours. You know, we were there for about three hours. And I'm looking at this picture, and I, I thought to myself, or I'm looking at this moment happen. I finally took a picture of it because I didn't want to forget it. And I thought to myself, this is the moment when, like, the epitome of most of my worry in the last year has come to fruition. That I have no control, that I can't fix this. That I don't have any peace, it's out of my hands, and the doctor's instruments aren't working. You know what I mean? Like, that sort of thing is all happening at once. Uh, and so we go to the ER. We can go to the next slide. We go to the ER, and we get there, and they do more tests, and they do more tests. But on the way over, we're driving, and we're driving, you know, I think from, I don't know, where are we at? We're downtown, right by the river, and then it was the night where Santa came, so it was, you know, lots of people were there. Um, so I didn't say any bad words. I was just going fast, really. And so... But we prayed on the way. And I'll never forget probably this moment in our marriage and with our kid. I, I was praying, and I remember during the prayer saying, almost reminding God, which is always fun, like reminding God, like, God, he is yours, and you are in control of this. Now, there's something about that moment that if you're not a follower of Jesus, you don't get to say because you don't believe that, right? That at the end of the day, whatever it is that's out there beyond you, Maybe it's the doctors, maybe it's you, maybe it's whatever it is. But you don't believe that there's something necessarily bigger than you that can control that. Which I would say, then there's really no way for you to find that kind of peace. It comes from the moment when you are holding on so tight to something. And then you open your hands up and you let it go. Now, on that car ride, I felt all the angst, and I prayed the prayer, and I said, God, he is yours. And when I did that, there was something that happened in my heart that felt like it broke, and a weight just kind of lifted. And it wasn't because the problem was fixed, because his heart rate was still like 185. But we're going over to the hospital, and I remember thinking, I'm not in control. They're not in control, God. You are. That, God, when it comes to my work and the things that I can't control, God, I can't make that happen. But peace is not found in me making that happen. It's found in you. When it comes to my marriage, there's all of this thing that I can't feel like I fix, and we have the conversation, but we still keep circling around the conversation. And there are changes that you have to make, but at the same time, it's like, God, I give you all of it, and I'll change my heart through it. When it comes to finances, there's the same sort of thing. There's a component of this that you control, but there's a component of it that you have to say, God, I trust you in every bit of it. I come to you open-handed, asking you to do what only you can do. Now, Christmas, in the heart of Christmas, is that Jesus came into the world as a baby. as the prince of peace. Not through the dissipation of all of our problems, but through the promise that God loves us enough to be present within every bit of it. So for those of you who are here and you're going... I feel disconnected to my kids and I'm an empty nester and I don't know how to solve it because I can't control it. Your posture is, God, here's my open hand. I trust you. Those of you who are going into the Christmas season and you've lost a job, you're going, God, going into it open-handed, not believing that you're just going to fix it, but believing that you're going to walk with me through it and do something. God, I'm coming to you with an open hand.
that you're going to Christmas this year and you don't really want to be around family for Christmas, God, you heal the brokenness that I can't fix on my own. I'm coming to you open-handed. Do something in me. The promise and beauty of Christmas is that we get to celebrate the fact that God ushered in his presence in such a powerful way. And we could experience the kind of life change he desired for us from the beginning. So in our service today, what I want you to do, for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, is I want you to like, I want you to think about your one, two, three, seven, twelve things that are like this, right? Whatever that is. And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, I want you to think about your one, two, seven, or twelve things that are like this. And the song that they're going to sing in just a second is a song called Lord Remind Me. From Black Friday shopping and Christmas presents and cutting down a tree and getting it up and everything that you're doing to celebrate and get around Christmas. What I want you to do over these next few minutes is just pause. And I want you to acknowledge whatever angst is currently in your life, but then at the same time remind yourself that though that angst may feel like it is bigger than you, it is not bigger than the one that is within you. I wanted to read these lyrics to you from the song. It says, Lord, remind me that the cry of faith is so simple. And it's the greatest song in heaven's hymnal. Because it's Christmas, and I want to remember. I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray for you this holiday season. And then we're going to sing this song, and I'm going to ask you just to spend a few moments reflecting on that. Let's pray together. Father, for some of us, we walked in today in... Some of us, like other people would never know that we have angst in our hearts and in our lives. Some of us, people would never know the struggles that are currently going on. And some of us just need to pause and be reminded that peace isn't this dissipation of all of the problems, that peace is ultimately found in the presence of a Savior who's provided a way for us to be fully and 100% connected to our Heavenly Father. So for the person who's striving here in the room to solve all, the person who feels like they have all the pressure on their shoulders to fix it, for the person who's in this room and Christmas isn't an exciting season, it feels difficult. The person who has no idea that in the next week or two weeks or month or two months that something's going to come, it's going to be at the forefront of their angst and emotions. God, let us rest in these next few moments in being reminded that a child came into the world as the Prince of Peace. And that child brought the promise of the presence of the living God in our hearts, in our lives, in our minds, and in every circumstance that we're going to face. It's in Jesus' name we pray. When the children play on Christmas Day and snow is flown When I feel I haven't had a friend since I was young And I'm feeling tired of myself and everyone Lord, remind me Lord, remind me 
Let the shepherds heard the angels break the silence in the field. The wise men found a baby and they could not help but kneel. But the one who heard our weeping became a child in manger sleeping. Lord, remind me, cause it's Christmas and I want to remember. When I hear the news and hear the nun wars begun, and I wonder if God's on the side of either one. I hear bullet, nail, or handcuff, he bore all of them. And in the light, my heart's as dark as Shepherds heard the angels break the silence in the field. That the wise men found a baby and they could not help but kneel. The one who heard our weeping became a child in manger sleeping. Lord, remind me, cause it's Christmas and I want to remember. Cause it's Christmas and I want 
powerful song. Uh, in this moment, I just want to invite you guys to stand and just in a response to just kind of all the images, the message, everything. I'd love to lead us in a familiar carol, and it's called, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore. And I love the lines of it. The first line is real simple. It's just acknowledging, oh, come, let us adore him, who Jesus is, and what he's going to do and be in our lives. And then the next line is for you, we give you, for you alone are worthy, is what it says. And uh, just declaring God's worth and uh, his value. And the last line is, you deserve all the glory. Just uh, acknowledging his value and, and uh, how our response is to worship. So wherever you're at in your uh, faith journey, I just encourage you, uh, let these words uh, speak to you. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Let's sing that one more time. Oh, come. singing, feel free to just belt it out at this time. We're going to sing, you give, we give you all the glory. We give you all the love to tell you to do is uh, if you're someone who's like you know what when it comes to the, the Christmas season I, I feel some of that angst and I feel some of those struggles uh, we love to talk to you about that and we love to just connect with you and so we have uh, a couple of environments on the lobby that we would just love to meet you so if it's your first time you're like hey I'd love to talk to somebody about some of that you can go to starting point um, that's a great place just to kind of learn more about us but also connect with someone uh, about those things and then if you're someone who again is running into this Christmas season and you're like you know what I would just love to talk with somebody and pray with somebody uh, we have kind of an area on the lobby where you can just talk to somebody and they can pray with you right out there uh, in the lobby
lobby, and we'd love to connect with you out there. Uh, just a couple of things to remind you on. If you haven't got your Christmas tickets yet, uh, again, they're free. You can totally get those. That's really just an RSVP to one of our Christmas services, since it's our biggest kind of services of the year. We'd love for you to do that. Um, and then uh, also next week, we're continuing this series. Right before we go into uh, our Christmas Eve services, we've got one more uh, of these next week that we'd love to invite you back to. So thanks so much for being here, and we'll see you right back here next Sunday. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to learn more about our global partners or just more about us in general, we would love to encourage you to go to our website at kensingtonchurch.org. Also, if you uh, are interested in coming to our Christmas services, Christmas tickets are now available. Again, they are free and they are available at any of our eight campuses. Um, we'd love for you to check that out at kensingtonchurch.org Christmas to just help all of our campuses better prepare for your arrival. Um, again, too, thank you so much for following us on social media, on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter accounts, and we hope that you will continue to do so. And also join us next week as we continue our series, The Heart of Christmas. Have a great day.